Support for this podcast comes from New Song Music. Based here in Asheville, New Song is an independent artist development organization and record label, and it's now accepting entries for its 21st annual International Performance Showcase and Songwriting Competition. Details and submission information can be found at newsong-music.com. From Citizen Studios, this is The Mezzanine. I'm Cass Harrington. On today's show, we're going to shift gears and revisit a live event that Citizen Vinyl put on last summer. We invited a poet and a painter to talk about their creative efforts to revive an epic African folktale. Glennis Redmond identifies as an Afro-Carolinian poet. She grew up in South Carolina low country and spent more than a decade of her writing career in Asheville. Joining Glennis is British painter Julian Davis. He moved to Alabama in the 80s and hasn't left the South since. Much of his work centers on documenting Southern folk history. These two creative minds teamed up to retell the story of Simbi, the African mermaid. The legend of Simbi was carried across the Atlantic by enslaved Congolese people brought to the shores of South Carolina. Glennis wrote and recorded a 14-stanza poem, which was later pressed onto vinyl. And that's where our conversation begins. Here's Glennis reading a few lines from Simbi. The white man does not believe us. Say we're what is beneath their feet. Yet they wrangle us from our villages. Their Bible says they must rescue us. Full of our blue-black savage witchery. They think we're evil spin, wicked folk tales. It's their religion that worships golden coins. Strike of machete, clash, boom of gun, we run. Trampled by feet and ghosts with deals and a plan. Terror wins, loaded on Big ships we've never seen. Over the Atlantic, Simbi follows her ward, hovers overhead and around the dark hole. The wind is both her whisper and a howl. We just heard a few verses of Simbi by poet Glennis Redmond. I think the question immediately on folks' minds is how did an Englishman intersect with a woman who identifies as Afro-Carolinian? Where did that conversation begin? Well, it all started with Julian Davis, is how it started. And uh, I know if you called me and asked, do you know who Simbi is? And Simbi is the African mermaid, and I did. This is pre-cancer. Most of you know that I've been battling, still battling. But I had already made this vow to myself that I would only collaborate or do projects that were connected to my poetry. And so when he said, Simbi, I said, yes. And then we just started being in conversation. And one of the things Julian said to me, this project can go anywhere we want it to go. I'm going to do this sort of painting. You don't have to riff off my paintings. I just want you to riff. And so that's part of how we began our journey. I'd been looking for um, new stories. I'm interested in documenting in a sort of journalistic way through my paintings, different sort of lost legends and histories of the South. And when I stumbled on this story set in the Low Country, Glennis came to mind. Previously, I'd uh, collaborated with musicians uh, on my series on the Appalachian Ballads. And uh, so 
with this, I thought it would be fantastic to collaborate with a poet. And Simbi, as I understand it, the origin is from the Congo, and yet more than a legend or a myth, there is some history behind it. There was an uprising. Could one of you tell that story briefly? Julian probably can tell the story a little bit better than I can because I didn't understand that there were South Carolina roots. And you, know, you guys know that I consider myself bi-Carolinian, right? So, yeah. South Carolina is where I started writing poetry. Asheville is where I got my poetry wings. So I write a lot about both Carolinas, but particularly South Carolina, which is the, the, the state of my birth, even though I'm an Air Force brat and the only one of five born in South Carolina very resentful for many years because my brother before me was born in Everoux, France. And so, you know how that goes when someone's like, where are you from? Where are you born? Everoux, France. And where are you born? Sumter, South Carolina. You know, so I resented that for a long, long time. But about 20 years ago, I started getting into my roots deeply. And it, the ancestors really started talking to me. And people think that's a metaphor, but I am not speaking metaphorically. If you know me, you know that I am a portal, they speak, I listen, and when I found out Simbi had Charleston low country roots, which is to me the mouth and the oracle that speaks to me because that's where my enslaved ancestors came from, that story kind of lifted up and started speaking to me. So the riot. Yeah, so what I've, I've done is I like to go to old bookstores book and so on. This is actually what brought me to the South 35 years ago. And um, it sort of breaks the Google algorithm to just go through old history books and find <laughs> stories. Right. And I discovered this story about the, the riot in 1868 where the enslaved people of Charleston believed that a mermaid was held captive in a pharmacy. It's, the building is still there at the corner of King and Broad. And it had been raining for weeks and they felt... They believed that if a simbi or a mermaid was held captive, uh, that she would beckon storms or hurricanes to come from Africa to punish the land until she was set free. So uh, I, I read about this riot, and that led me to another book by Dr. Raz Michael Brown that really went into great depths on this connection of the, the simbi or the basimbi in the Congo and the, and the South Carolina simbi which is basically a water spirit that inhabits the springs and, springs. and bodies of water. Yeah, bodies of waters, yeah. So that's basically the story. Before you begin your reading, Glennis, you say you are conversing with your ancestors. It's a two-way street. When you were writing Simbi and considering them, and as you read this poem, what do you want the audience to listen for? What are your ancestors telling you? What I believe the ancestors were doing with me is what they do with all things, is they start saying, tell the story that's been erased to speak for us. You're an empty vessel and I'm willing. And so when Julian asked me, he had done a fundraiser for me for my medical stuff. And thank you for that, Julian, that was beautiful. And uh, I had read some drafts of what I was doing. It was all over the place. It was a hot mess. Um, but I need that hot messness to, that's part of the creative process. And then I went through uh, my stem cell transplant. And you guys, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be alive. I'm so glad to have hair. And um, 
But it was maybe right after the stem cell, I was back home. I was 30 days in the hospital back home, and I was in a delusional state, which my daughters would beg to differ that I'm always in a delusional state. But anyway, I was in the state that I woke up, and that poem just kept working on me, and I believe it was the ancestors working on me. And what I had done to take it out of the hot messness, I decided to set it in a form, which is called Quinsabas, that is create, it's an African-American poetic form by Dr. Eugene Redmond, no relation that we can tell. And it is seven lines, seven words in each line, and no word over seven letters, unless you're using a proper noun. And so once I decided to honor Simbi that way, then they just kind of came through and that set it and that rhythm helped me create. I created 14 because I thought, because you know, Kwasambas, what does that sound like to you guys? Kwanzaa, yeah, it is Kwanzaa, first fruit, so that's what, it, that's the connection. And so it just started rolling, so I ended up doing a bonus Kwanzaa, so that's the poem is set in the, and that's how it, right. it rolled out. So of those, was there one that was particularly cathartic to write or really felt? Like, like liberation put on paper? Well, I think because you can tell that I'm doing some narrative stuff and it's quite hard to do narrative with, you know, just this form, but I really felt the poems started to come alive as the last two quinsambas, that they're, you can, they're climactic, you know, they're just building and building. So I felt like when I get to that point, what I'm doing, did it feel like a litany to you guys at the end? Like, does it feel like I'm, doing this kind of climb up the stairs. So when I go, um, we ocean feel vessels seeking more, we are the song of the sea, we are that which can't be named, we are blue. So that is just this affirmational, we are blue, green, gray, black cosmos, we leap on dry land, fine water, in our tears, sweat, stolen kisses, we keep our memory wet with memory. And that is where I think I got, I get emotional because I feel like all my poems is, trying to keep my ancestors' walk wet with memory. I'm going to play for you a few of those last lines Glennis is talking about. Then we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk some more. Stay with us. Beware of the lowly ones who overcome. The one that hits soon forgets. The one that takes the hit never forgets. No. There are two kinds of people, those who have Simbi and those who don't. We have Simbi, ocean-filled vessels seeking more. We are the song of the sea. We are that which can't be named. We are blue, green, gray, black cosmos. We leap on dry land, fine water. In our tears, sweat and stolen kisses. We keep our history wet in memory. Every act we make, river and pond, places of true hollow ground for Simbi. We find ways to worship and swim. We the blackest blue beauty, Carolina bred. Ancient lights, stolen, but belong to Africa. (laughs) 
Support for the Mezzanine comes from the 21st Annual New Song Music Award, now inviting performers and songwriters of all genres to submit their best original songs. More information can be found at newsong-music.com. You're listening to The Mezzanine. I'm speaking with poet Glennis Redman and painter Julian Davis about their collaboration. It was during a live event at Citizen Vinyl in August 2021. So now that Simbi is re-emerging as a story that will now go home with you and into the community, what are the ripple effects that you hope that it has, that the story has? What is, what's the takeaway? Um, well, I think we're just we're going to keep going with it um, in different ways. We're just seeing how it evolves. You know, the, I I did want to produce the record to get the poetry nailed down and, and have that out in the world. And uh, there's just new ways to to look at collaborating with people. But I did find uh, I had sort of you know I, I consider myself as an artist, a, a perennial outsider you know, uh, just outside of everything, an, an observer. Um, so anyway, I, I, I had sort of gone into the project of the 14 stations as a sort of non-profit thing to tour museums. And I, I didn't really, uh, people, after a while, people started to, you know, express some concern, but it didn't really occur to me. I'm a bit sort of ditzy, so. I realized the museums were a little concerned about cultural appropriation. So um, what I'm doing now is uh, I did the record and I'm hopefully uh, the, the story will take on new life as a graphic novel. And uh, we're talking to uh, a company in LA which um, specializes in Afrocentric stories. And I will just hand it on and get it out in the world. Yeah, I mean, I think Simbi will continue to live. And, you know, that struggle of, of the cultural pro- appropriation is one that, of course, I don't face in this work, you know. Um, and I, I'm grateful to Julian for just saying, hey, what about this? Because I never would have thought of it. Yeah. And, and it's quite, um, it was quite timely for me of what I was going through. It was just like he was putting a hand out and kind of lifting me up, you know, during a time that was really, really... Um, tough for me. So I hope Simbi can it grow because I think... Uh, I, I wouldn't try and stop her. No, no, you can't stop Simbi because <laughs> there are those who have Simbi and those who... Yeah, yeah. And so what I, there's a phrase, a uh, quote, but I can't, I can never remember who, who made it, but the quote is, we mythologize in order so we don't pathologize. And I believe that's what storytelling, I think that's art making, I think that's creative, being creative, is to, to find ways of healing. I think uh, we had a great conversation when we were signing the records, just saying that, you know, the, uh, art is far bigger than politics. You know, it's the artists are the people who get to write history. In the end, art has the final say. So uh, it's just a question of us telling stories and reaching out to human beings. You know. Right, and it's, you know, we talk about craft a lot in art and poetry and all these things, and we always talk about the craft, which craft is important. You know, obviously you look at his work, it's really well crafted, but then there's also, what I love about Julian, there's this, the, it's the mystical side of it, which is rampant throughout the, these two poems, you know. 
I think this mystical thing is true. It's woven between all of us. And I just wish in this time, you know, because there's so much sorrow right now, there's so much happening. I just, there's a wish that, that those invisible threads were more visible. And I think art does that for us. And I just want to thank you all mm -hmm. for whatever made you lift up out of your life and come out tonight. And I think that's a, that's a good place to land. It takes the art that you are doing in your respective worlds, sharing it out in the community and being in conversation and being open and listening. So thank you everyone for being part of that. Thank you. The Mezzanine is a production of Citizen Studios, located at Citizen Vinyl in Asheville, North Carolina. The theme music was composed and produced by Gar Ragland. The live event was engineered by Millie Parker. Thanks to the excellent team at Session Cafe for accommodating our live guests, especially during a challenging moment in the pandemic. Eric Piper is our graphic designer. Kirsten Clower manages our website. And special thanks for this episode goes out to Glennis Redman and Julian Davis. And I'm your host, Cass Harrington. I'll see you next time.